Good morning and welcome as we gather together for worship today and a special, special Happy Mother's Day. As I think about moms, whether it's uh, biological or foster moms, or I think about those women who demonstrate that love of Christ in some really tangible ways. And that could be grandmas and sisters and aunts, um, and people who just, again, share that love of Christ. Happy Mother's Day to you, and may you be blessed not just today, but every day. Um, we are going to worship our Lord today, and we're going to celebrate his goodness and grace as he deals with us regarding our failures and how he alone can uh, bring redemption and restoration and hope. So let's worship and praise our Lord.
God, we thank you so much for this Sunday. This Sunday right now is a blessing that we can be here together in your presence, whether here in this building or wherever people are listening to this live stream service. We thank you, God, for all good things. They come from you. And Jesus, this service, may it be a blessing and a gift back to you. May your Holy Spirit be here with us wherever we are. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Good and gracious God, the song that uh, we just sung is a prayer to you, is a prayer for your Holy Spirit uh, to come and to fill this place and to fill our hearts. And may that same Holy Spirit bring to mind those places in our lives that we struggle, those places in our life where we go away from you, not towards you. And Lord, we we understand your word, the scriptures. We understand that it, it so clearly tells us that we've all have fallen short of your glory, your desire. So Lord, convict us of the sin, but remind us of our Savior. And we thank you again that you saw that sin and you decided to do something about it. So we praise you for you sending your son to this earth for his willingness and obedience to suffer and die on a cross that we deserved. And Lord, we thank you for his resurrection and his resurrecting power that not only forgives us of our sin, but empowers us to live as your children here on this earth. So may that Holy Spirit stir within us such a faith to believe and then a faith to uh, act and to live as your children in this world. And Lord, may what we do in our life give you the utmost glory and honor. Thank you. Thank you for your grace and mercy. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Again, I pray that you, uh, you know and understand that grace and mercy uh, that it has changed your life for right here, right now, and for eternity. That it gives you a peace and a joy that the world cannot give. And uh, may that be a blessing, always. A couple announcements to make as we continue in worship. Don't forget, we do collect prayer requests during this time. And so if you have a prayer request, uh, there is a number that you can text and um, place it up there, and th there it is for me, 402-242-5051. And you can text a prayer request, it'll come to us, and we'll include it in our worship today. And just so you know, you can text that number at any time, and then we will have people that'll be praying for you um, well, throughout the week as we lift you up in prayer. Also, to uh, just let you know that we have many other online resources for you. If you check out our website, uh, www.1c.com, and you will see some of those online resources that will be a blessing for you. And then uh, last but not least, again, an opportunity for you to give for a mission and ministry through 1C Church. Uh, we have ways to give, text to give. You can go on our um, planning center. You can go to our website. 
again, prayerfully consider in what way is God calling you to use your gifts for his glory. Again, may all that we do give him honor and glory as we rejoice in his love for us. Amen. Let your fire fall, your love is all I fear. Let your fire fall and cast out all my fears. Let your fire fall, your love is all I fear. Let your fire fall and cast out all my fears. Let your fire fall, your love is all I fear. Let your fire fall and cast out all my fears. Let your fire fall, your love is all I fear. Oh, fear is lighter. He will take your breath, 
On this Mother's Day weekend, I couldn't help but reminisce about my mom. Um, she's uh, been gone from this earth and in the glories of heaven for the last 20 years. But I, I can't help but think. Uh, when she was on this earth, um, I joked about it, but she, she was four foot eight and a powerhouse. Um, and and she, was, she and I really had a connection. And, you know, we'd had many moments of conversation. We had many moments of sometimes uh, intense conversations of her opinion versus mine. And when two opposing forces come together, usually Joanne won. Uh, she, she was something else. Uh, but as I think about Mother's Day and as I think about her and I think about the theme, um, the theme today is talking about dealing with failure. And there would be many people who would look at my mom's life when she was 16 and she dropped out of high school. She, she didn't finish. And so people would look and say, well, she's a failure. Well, let me tell you the rest of the story for, for, for her is um, after a couple years of being out of uh, the school, she got a job to answer phones at a college. And then throughout her life, she just had a, a resolve, a, a stick-to-itiveness. Um, she had... She had moxie. That's what my uh, wife, Kristen, would say. And she moved up, all the way up, to be dean of women at a college without having a college degree. And it had a lot to do with that. Well, there's an, another failure that I'd like to talk about, and it was her health. And I'll never forget the time when, when they used the word emphysema. I didn't know what that meant, but she, she had this disease. And they said, uh, it'll progress over time, and, and eventually, if something else doesn't take her, that, that's what'll take her. And I remember as it progressed, going to the doctor with her, she and my dad lived with us for um, well, 10 years. And the doctor had said, you know, your mother's disease has progressed pretty far. And honestly, if she gets a cold, she's not going to make it. Sobering words to hear. Well, I was uh, in my church office, and all of a sudden I get a phone call from my dad. My dad says, your mom's not feeling well. She's not looking well. Uh, you might want to come. And again, she lived with us, and so I, 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 I get in my car. I mean, I run to my car. I drive real fast, and the police department decided to follow me because of my driving. And uh, I get there. I explain to them. They go in with me. And you could tell, she is struggling for every breath she can have. So I picked her up in my arms. And I, um, I carried her and put her in my car and drove quickly to St. Luke's Hospital. We called my family and said, you know, you might want to get there because she's really struggling. So we get into the emergency room and there's this, uh, this defining moment where the doctor says, you know, I think we should kind of ventilator. She, she needs help to breathe. And he says, she, she doesn't have cancer. Her heart is really good. But I, I'm sitting there thinking what the doctor told me. And I told my, my siblings and my dad that a cold will probably take her life. And so everyone was going to lean in on this and, and kind of give their opinion. So everyone kind of gave their opinion and said, mom, you go for it. You do it. And 
And all of a sudden, the moment came that we all knew, because again, my mom and I are like this. My mom looks right at me and says, Jim, what do you think? And I'm going to say this with passion, and I'm hopefully able to hold back my tears. I failed her. What I should have said to her is, Mom, don't do this. I'll, I'll take care of Dad. You go to heaven, and we'll meet you up there sometime soon. But I crumbled under pressure, and I just said, you, you know what, Mom, go ahead. Let's do this, and let's give you a really good chance. And, and so we all walked out of the room, and they... Um, they did what they needed to do. She coded several times, and then she lived for two more weeks. And I've had many people who have heard this story tell me, oh, you know, Jim, don't think more highly of yourself. You really didn't have that much power. And I still can't get past it. My lack of faith. Well, we get to the point where she is now um, really not responding much. She's in the hospital bed and uh, we're all in the room, and I remember finally going up to her, kneeling um, right beside her, and I just whisper in her ears, Mom, it's okay to go. I'll take care of Dad. We'll meet you up in heaven. And literally, I will just say a minute, maybe two, she took her last breath. I don't know if you've had moments like that, where uh, maybe you look back and you say, boy, I failed. I, I failed miserably. Um, I think we all do. I mean, we, we have those moments. And what made a difference for me 20 years ago is what makes a difference for me today, and hopefully it makes a difference for you. When Jesus is present, he takes our failure and gives us hope. And really, that's been the journey in our, our series that we've been going through, you know, which is entitled Never Alone. And if I could have it advanced, please. We have this, um, this resurrection of Jesus, and then we have what we call post-resurrection appearances, where Jesus shows up and makes a difference. And we've talked about things like trust, where he dealt with trust, he, he dealt with doubt, he dealt with vision. And today we're going to talk about how he deals with failure. And, and, and it's Jesus who can deal with any kind of failure. And so, I would like to give a definition, a working definition for us today, is failure is the state or condition of not meeting a desirable or intended objective and it may be viewed as the opposite of success. So, if you can live with that definition, I'm going to work with that and around that as we go through it. And I'll tell you, you know, with this definition, I cannot tell you how many times in my 31 years people have been in my office or on my phone or now with the world of Facebook have been Facebooking me about some of the failures they're experiencing. Whether it's their own or somebody they love, who have failed miserably, in, in other words, a condition of, of not meeting a desirable or intended objective. And they're really struggling. 
And so I do pastoral counseling. And I came across this definition of counseling. It is to help you find the courage to scan your past for memories that are unhealed and unresolved. Then to help you re-examine and re-experience those wounding moments as so to acknowledge and release the pain. And again, going back to my, my moment 20 years ago, I mean, at times I, I, I go back and I live in that pain and it really hurts. But when I do remember about what Jesus has done for me and the forgiveness he gives, uh, I do have a hope. I do have a peace. I mean, it is something that changes my life. So we're going to see this in light of what's going to happen. And uh, here's an image for you to hopefully, well, kind of keep locked in there. This is every one of us. If you see the finish line, if you see the accomplishment, the best we're ever going to do is to get inches away from the finish line unscathed. In fact, all of us are going to fall flat on our face. Scripture says, right, Paul says, all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone have fallen short. Everyone is a failure. And I know we don't like to hear that, we don't want to acknowledge it, but it is a truth that we need to come to terms with in order to understand the importance of mercy, mercy that comes from God, and grace that comes from Him as well. So, there is a battle that is waging war for you and me. When we fail, it's not an if, it's, it's when, when we fail, we have the devil who is a master at taking our failure and rubbing it in our face and causing us to believe things that are not true. In fact, we have Jesus talking about this, this person called the devil. The devil was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. And we see it from the beginning, right? Adam and Eve. God told them not to eat from the tree, and yet the devil comes in the form of a serpent, slithers up, and says to them, did God really say don't eat from the tree? And thus, the effect of Satan and the effect of sin and the effect of failure has been a part of our life ever since. And honestly, we could, I could spend hours going through the history of the world and how the devil was at every turn trying to bring down God's people. So we have that character, and he's quite a character, and he is real. He's not just a, a figment of imagination. He's not just a Hollywood image, but he is real, and he is tenacious. But on the other side, we have Jesus. And here we have Jesus quoting the Old Testament, but speaking about himself. And he is trying to let God's people back then as well as today know who he is and what did he come to do in relation to our failure, into our struggles. So here he is quoting. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And so while the 
devil would like us to see ourselves as poor, captive, blind, and oppressed. We have Jesus coming and saying, I can do something about it. And it wasn't that long ago when we remember him making his way into Jerusalem to take on all of this and to take on Satan himself, to take on our failure. As we think about that upper room as he was spending time with his disciples and then going out to the garden and then being arrested and then put on trial and beaten and put on a cross. I mean, all of that he did in order that these things can happen so that failure wouldn't define us. Our failure, our falling short of the glory of God wouldn't be what would define us. Rather, the good news that we are released, that we can see, and that will be set free. And I love this phrase, and I don't think we fully understand it on this earth, but we get glimpses of it. And it says that the Lord's favor has come. And if you think about the Lord's favor, it is, if, if you would picture this, God smiling upon us. God looking at our brokenness, yes. But after Jesus does what he does, and he, and he did it completely, he dealt with our sin and our failure, God then looks down upon us and smiles and sees the love of Jesus and the forgiveness that comes, and he gives us favor. And that's his love for us. And for me, I love this. So take a look at Luke and, and read those words. This is what Jesus did for you and for me in the midst of our struggle and in the midst of our battle. Well, today we're going to talk about Peter, and Peter's uh, a, a character um, nonetheless, and he is quite the character, and we see him at so many different times and places in the life of Christ, and we do know that there was a very special relationship between Jesus and Peter. So I want to walk you through a couple of what I call the highlights of his life so that we understand who he is and what is it that Jesus is doing. So here we have the context. Jesus was actually speaking. This is in the beginning of his ministry. And the crowds were gathering. In fact, there were so many people and they were crowding in on him. He decided to get into boat, Peter's boat, and say, hey, would you push out a little bit? And then he speaks. Again, his teaching, people were hungry for. So after he was all done doing his teaching, he told them, why don't you put your nets out? And originally, you know, they're, they're thinking like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. This is not the time to fish. But they put their nets down and they catch so many fish that they had to call another boat over, and then both boats was beginning to sink. And, I mean, it was quite the scene. And then I think Peter got a glimpse of who this Jesus is. And, he's, and we find this. He, he fell down at, at Jesus' knees saying, go away from me. Lord, I am a sinner. I think Peter, again, seeing this perfect Jesus, he realized his brokenness his failure, his falling short. And so he uses the word, I'm a sinful man. Now we continue the story. 
And uh, we go now to Matthew 4, and it says, As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen, and he said to them, this is Jesus, Follow me, and I'm going to change your world. Now, what we have up there says, I will make you fishers of men. But it really was a changing of a world. To be fishers of fish, to be fishers of men. Pretty powerful distinction and change in their life. So then we go further. Um, There's a dialogue going on, and there's some question about how long Jesus is going to be there, who's going to be with him. And, you know, Peter being the bold and brazen person that he is, he says, Lord... I will lay down my life for you. I'll do everything for you. And then Jesus, knowing all things, he speaks to Peter and he says, will you lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. Now we go to uh, the story not, not so long ago, right, during Holy Week. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? A third time, Peter denied it. And at that moment, the cock crowed. And then we find this, this moment. And I, I just don't, I can't picture what that would have been like. When Peter's eyes locked on Jesus' eyes. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. A little background to this, and I I think it's going to be important when we get to uh, the end of the story, is as he was in the courtyard, there was um, a charcoal fire that was there. And people were there warming themselves. And um, in the Gospel of John, a charcoal fire is only referenced two times. One time is here. Another time is what I'm going to talk about in just a moment. And I think it's the genius of Jesus. It's Jesus using a moment that was very painful and, and the smell of a charcoal fire, the look of the charcoal fire probably attached itself to this failure that Peter couldn't get past. So, let's continue the story. And we're told that Peter is grieved. Okay, in the Greek, it doesn't just mean, oh, he's sorry that he denied Jesus three times. But instead, the grief is so deep, so deep. In the Greek, it means hurt, pained, injured, distressed, troubled, in heart, sorrowful, deeply sorry, and sad. Uh, And I'll just use the word cut to the heart. Something happened in Peter's life at that moment. How do we get that impression? Well, let me take you on a little journey. We have, this is after the resurrection, We have Jesus talking to the women and telling them to go, right? He says, go, tell his disciples and Peter. I don't know if you've ever caught this before. It almost seems like there's two different moments here. In fact, let me go to the next passage. That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. 
they were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Here's what I think is happening in Peter's life. His discouragement, his failure was so significant in his own eyes, he felt that there was no hope for him. And I'm wondering, and I read this in some commentaries, and I, we don't have proof of this, we don't have, but I'm just, I'm thinking about myself. If I would have done something like that, maybe I would have just quit and said, you know what, there is no hope for me. There's just no way. I mean, who, whoever denies my Lord three times can never have hope. Think about that, because there is always hope when Jesus is involved. So I want to bring you to this story, and um, I left you last week as we pictured Peter jumping out of the boat. Uh, when John said, hey, look, it's the Lord, Peter put his clothes back on and he leaps out of the boat. You know, they were like a hundred yards off, uh, off of the uh, shoreline, and Peter just, he, he is frantic, so he, he goes and runs towards Jesus because he sees the Lord. Maybe he's hungering for restoration. Maybe he's hungering for redemption. Maybe he's hungering for a second chance. I, I don't know. But what I do know, as the scriptures tell us, what happened at another charcoal fire. And, and to me, again, I said it before, but I think it's the genius of, of Jesus as a teacher and as a counselor. He wants to take the sight and the smell, you know, and all of that of a charcoal fire and give it a whole new meaning and whole new purpose. Instead of always thinking about a charcoal fire and his failure, it is near a charcoal fire where they're having breakfast and then this conversation. And I'm sure that you've heard the story. But on three different occasions, which again, parallel the three different times of denial, Jesus asked Peter, uh, uh, I would just say a vital question. It's the question that he'll ask you and me. Do you love me? Now, going into the story, we find um, kind of an interesting twist, so to speak. Jesus says in, in the Greek language, he says, do you agape me? Do you have this perfect love for me? That you will do anything and everything? I mean, will you have that kind of love for me? And then Peter says boldly, Oh, yes, Lord, I will phileo you. Another Greek word for love, but not the same. And if you think that word sounds familiar, Philadelphia, right, city of brotherly love. So Jesus is saying, will you have this perfect love for me? And Peter says, you know what, Lord, I'll have a brotherly love for you. So Jesus then comes again and says, Peter, will you, will you agape me? Will you have this perfect love? And then Peter says, oh, you know, Lord, I'll brotherly love you. Sure, I'll be there for you. But the third time, and you can read all different opinions. I personally think Jesus is trying to get Peter to see what he's saying and, and really believing. So Jesus then says, Peter, will you have brotherly love for me? Almost like a, is that where you're going to be? And then we're told that Peter was saddened. I think he caught it. And in this moment, Jesus restores Peter. 
Jesus reestablishes this mission and ministry that God desires to use through somebody named Peter. And that's why I think in our life, God's desire is to come to you and me and say, do you love me? I want to hear it. How serious are you of your love and your commitment for me? And I'll just say, too, too many times, too many times, I'm not ready to agape him. I am not ready to unconditionally love him. I put a whole bunch of lists and conditions on that kind of love. And Jesus just lovingly and patiently relates to me, and he relates to you. And in the midst of that falling short and that failure, he just lovingly keeps coming. And what he wants to do is to take the charcoal fires of our life and turn it upside down. He wants to give us new perspectives and new opportunities and new ways to do it. That's why when I came across a a scripture passage from Romans, and I I took it from the message because I really like the way that Paul said it here. He says, out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. And he did it by means of Jesus Christ. I want you to let that sink in. Because if you're sitting here today and you have one of those Peter moments where you feel like you've crossed the line and you've crossed it so far that there's no returning, I'm going to say you're partly right. There's no returning by our, by our own power or might. But see, Jesus comes to us just like he came to Peter. Jesus comes to us and says, I got you. I've got your back. I've got your, I've got your life. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I will do everything for you because I love you. And I want to restore you again. The words of forgiveness are sweet. Now, uh, I mentioned on Facebook uh, just probably an hour ago, um, I found out that the band is actually going to be doing a song that I came across about two weeks ago. And I just was stirred by the message of it. It's called Holy Water. It's by a group that's new to me. It's a little bit of what I call country rock. But the words are incredible. It talks about you know, on our lips, the taste of grace and forgiveness and how life-changing it is. So this may be a first time you've heard it, so, um, you know, listen, look at those words, uh, take in the message, and be blessed in knowing that in Jesus there is life and forgiveness and hope. Amen.
Mother's Day with thankful hearts as we bring our prayers to the foot of the cross. Prayers for the Hewley family today with Susie's passing last night. For my friend's mom who was diagnosed with cancer and starts chemo tomorrow. Prayers for miraculous healing in her body because you are stronger than this. Prayers for Jace and his family as they prepare to battle the second diagnosis of cancer for Jace. For my nephew going through cancer treatment and my son 
who's battling health issues and addiction. For my father-in-law, who is facing a possible leukemia diagnosis. More tests upcoming this week. For Lana, suffering with the coronavirus, please pray for my husband who might have been exposed. Prayers for my family that we are all healthy as well. And prayers for a cure for the virus. Father, please keep my family in prayer as we've been exposed to the COVID and that the test results come back negative. Thanksgiving to you for all the negative COVID-19 tests of my coworkers and friends. Continue prayers for more negative results for all the essential workers. Prayers for my premature granddaughter and her parents. The isolation has been very hard. May you bless them with your comforting presence. For my grandma Zinnel, I love her so much. God, thank you for blessing me with my wonderful mom, Elise, who has always been there for me. I love her so much. Please help her to have a great day. Happy 10th birthday to Hudson. A happy Mother's Day prayer to my mom for all her love, kindness, and patience and continued good health and to all mothers. Prayers and thanks for all mothers in the world for their strength and kindness, love, and support. Special prayers for a mother in labor today for the healthy birth of your child. Thank you, God, for our children and the blessing of being a mom. We pray for comfort for those missing their moms today. And we pray for comfort for those who have lost a child. And God, please provide comfort and love to those women struggling with infertility and who have heavy hearts today. Gracious God, you are the great healer, the almighty Prince of Peace. We glorify you, we honor you, and we thank you for loving us, even when we fall and go astray. We give you praise through your son, Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's take an opportunity now to profess our faith in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as we use the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And uh, we have just a, 
couple announcements. Want to invite Greg to come on up here and why don't yes. you share your announcement? All right. Yes. If you are interested in learning more about who we are as a church, what we believe, our history, our mission, or possibly you're considering joining the 1C family, we'd love to have you join us next Sunday, May 17th from 7 to 9 p.m. for a new disciple launch. That'll be meeting online through Zoom, um, but you can register and then you'll get that link to join us. You can register, um, there's a link on our Facebook page, website, onecchurch.com, under Next Steps, or um, on the Church Center app, or Weekly Happenings email. Good. And again, it, it, it doesn't mean you have to join, but it does give you a taste and a flavor of what we, we believe as a church body, what you can expect of us as your church, and then also our hopes for you in your walk with Christ. So it, I think it's very informative, um, and it would be a blessing to have you be a part of that. So let us know. Um, also, just as you, as we continue to navigate through COVID-19, we as a church are continually um, praying and researching and reading and learning, and uh, we are, we're waiting for us to just feel comfortable to open up the church again. And so, as I mentioned last week, we are going to, week by week, be looking and praying and deciding. So, just keep connected, whether it's to Facebook to our website, um, we'll be sending out emails of updates uh, just so you can know when we're ready to do it. And, and again, some of the things that we're gonna be implementing to make sure that we can be safe when we do gather. So just keep an eye, eye open for that and keep that in your prayers that what we do, again, would be glorifying God and also safe for people. So I'd like to share with you now the blessing of God. And I love this blessing because it comes from God's heart to our lives. And it's a gift that we take from here throughout this week. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Let's sing our last song. sin and darkness whose love is mighty and so much stronger the king of glory the king above all kings who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder the king of glory the king above all done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the
Serve the Lord.